going to be in Romans chapter number 12 is where we'll start this morning. So if you want to grab your Bible and go ahead and turn there, uh, while you're doing that, I want to ask you a question. How often do you think about your thinking? Does your mind control you or do you control your mind? Uh, By way of introduction this morning, I want to kind of share a little bit of brain science. Um, God has given the human brain the amazing ability to really reorganize itself by forming new connections between brain cells. They're called neurons. Uh, For adults, this happens anytime that we learn something new or we memorize something or we become so familiar with some information uh, by using it repeatedly. Each and every time we learn something new, our brains form new connections and neurons, making existing neural pathways stronger or weaker. A neural pathway is the path that your brain takes uh, to find what it has learned. All of us have had that moment where we can't remember something that we were sure we knew, only to remember it at like 2 a.m. in the morning, and all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, man, why couldn't I think of that earlier? Uh, The reason is the neural pathway, the road, so to speak, to that information was weak because it's not something that you're familiar with or that you use a lot, and it took your brain a while to find the pathway to where that information is stored. Uh, If we don't do anything with the information that we know, it will literally fade out of existence. The phrase is, if you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, If you want a very emotional example of this, go watch the cartoon Inside Out and watch Bing Bong fade out of existence. It's like breaks me or tears me up every time. That's literally what happens to things if we don't use them in our brain. They will literally fade out of existence. Uh, Conversely, all of us have things in our life that we know a lot about, and we can rattle off facts and information and statistics and the way to do things. Uh, Because our brains are so familiar with that information, because we use it on such a regular basis, our brain knows exactly where to go to find that information, and it's almost like it becomes this default. It becomes hardwired into our minds. And so when the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 and in other places in Scripture to renew our minds, what it's literally telling us to do is rewrite the way your brain, shape your brain in a physical sense, rewrite and shape your brain with the truths of Scripture to the point where it just becomes the default way you live. Sometimes I'll use this saying, you know, when life cuts us, we should bleed Scripture. That happens because our brains are so rewired, they're so renewed with the truth of God's word, it becomes default to the way we live. And as we, by faith, live out the word of God, those neural pathways in our brain become stronger and stronger and stronger. And then the neural pathways in our mind to sin or maybe behavior that we'd like to see changed grows weaker and weaker and weaker. And so the theme for our final message in our series Battles this morning is very simply, change in life happens as we, by faith, control and shape our mind with the grace of God and the Word of God. Change in life happens as we, by faith, control and shape our minds with the grace of God. Please stand with me if you are physically able. If you're our guest this morning, I want to thank you so much for coming. Uh, I'd invite, if this is your first time here, you can go ahead and pull out your smartphone on the pew in front of you, the row in front of you. There's a little QR code. You can open up the camera app on your smartphone and scan that. That'll take you to fresnochurch.info, and at that little webpage, there is a connection card that you can fill out on your smartphone to let us know that you are with us here this morning. Uh, For our members and regular attenders, you can also find our sermon notes on there to follow along with our Bible studies as well. As we talk about this morning, our last last message in the series, uh, Battles, we're going to look at battling our minds. And I wanted to end with this message because so much of the battles that we face in our life start and end with our minds, with our thinking. Sometimes our minds are our own greatest enemies, but as we're going to see based on the Word of God, we can control and shape 
how we think. Let's look at our first text this morning, Romans chapter number 12. I want to read verse number 2. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this age. So don't live like you're being unsaved, the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, but be transformed, be changed, be different, look like Jesus. Be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our Bible study, battling our minds. Father, we thank you so much that you are good and that you are faithful and that we can collectively come together and sing at the top of our lungs about your faithfulness and your love and how your mercy never runs out. And Lord, I pray that that wouldn't just be a song that we sing, but that would be a truth that gets ingrained into our minds to the point it literally changes the way we live. And Lord, the reason we want to sing that is so that it can be reinforced in our minds and we're singing to you, yes, but we're also singing to each other, reminding ourselves about the goodness and mercy of God. I pray that as we leave here in just a few moments, your Holy Spirit would lead us to actively pursue a renewed mind. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Change in life happens as we, by faith, control and shape our minds with the grace of God. You can look at scripture after scripture after scripture, and we will look at quite a few of those this morning about, that tell us to be intentional with our thinking. Uh, the difficulty is, though, a lot of us kind of work under the assumption that our thinking is something that just happens to us. Like, oh man, this thought just popped into my head. Oh, I can't get away from these negative thoughts. We just kind of work under the assumption that our thinking is something that happens to us. But your thinking isn't something that just happens to you. Your thinking is something that you can actually choose. Consider Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, for those who live according to the flesh, get this, have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. So what we see here in Romans chapter number 8 is that we can choose what we set our minds on. We can choose what goes on in our heads. And the Bible is telling us, look, if you want to live according to the spirit, set your mind on the things of the spirit. We can control our thinking. Our thinking does not control us. And so if we want to control our thinking, if we want to be transformed into the image of Christ, and I'm assuming because you showed up on a Sunday morning, you want to live like Jesus. You want to be conformed into the image of him. You want your life to look like and to reflect the love of Christ. And so with that, I'm going to help us, or the Word of God is going to help us know how we can set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And if we want to be transformed, the first thing we need to do is to identify faulty thinking. Identify faulty thinking. Now, in order to do this, I want to reverse engineer this a little bit. So, kind of leaning on Romans 8, verse 5, I want you to, in your mind, kind of answer this question quietly to yourself. Is there an area of your life that reflects the spirit or reflects the flesh? Now, maybe not your entire area. You say, man, there's a lot of parts of my life that reflect the spirit, but there's this one area that I'm struggling with. There's this one area that does not reflect the spirit. Let me give you a personal example of how I've kind of processed and worked through this. Uh, A few weeks ago in our message of battling insecurities, I talked about my personal insecurities that I have as a dad. So what I want to do is look at that insecurity a little bit more analytically so you can see how I've kind of evaluated the thinking that has played into that. I said a couple weeks ago, I often feel very unequipped to be a good dad. Because I don't feel equipped to be a good dad, I sometimes will disengage with my children. 
How many of you recognize if you constantly tell yourselves you can't be a good dad, guess what? You won't be a good dad. And so if I believe that I don't have what it takes to be a good dad, my behavior is going to follow that thinking and I wind up not parenting my children well. I mean, there's been moments where I have taken my children's childish behavior personally and I'll respond in frustration instead of grace. So looking at that behavior, what I can do is I can trace that back to my thinking. Okay, there's areas that I, I want to be a better dad. There's parts of my life where I want to father like the father fathers me. And so I can trace that back to the thinking. And the faulty thinking that I've realized that I've wrestled with is because I didn't have a good dad, I don't feel like I'm equipped to be a good dad. You see, oftentimes our sinful behavior is driven by lies that we believe. And so you can identify the lie that you believe by reverse engineering it. Look at the behavior in your life that you want to see changed. And think about it. Trace it back. Is there a lie that I am believing that is driving this behavior? Our sinful behavior is usually driven by lies that we believe. If there's an area of your life that you feel like, man, this area of my life needs to be transformed, like Romans 12, 2 tells me about. If there's an area of my life where it looks more like the flesh than it does the spirit, it's helpful to identify faulty thinking in that area. And the reason we want to identify faulty thinking is not so that we can dwell on it, not so that we can ruminate on it, but so that we can do the exact opposite. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says, Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments. I love that that word's in the Bible, demolish. It's like demo day with Chip Gaines, right? We get to demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. The problem is if we don't do the hard work of identifying the lies that we're believing, we don't know what to take captive. We don't know what argument to demolish. Sinful behavior is driven by faulty thinking that we need to identify so that we can demolish that argument in the name of Jesus. And as we see here in 2 Corinthians, uh, the language in this verse indicates that this is hard. He's not saying, hey, go pick that thought and just blow it in the air like a flower. No, he's like using battle language. You want to talk about battles. He's saying demolish it, take it captive. It's a fight. And so we need to identify, but that's hard to do, isn't it? This is why I recommend, if this is an area that you're really serious about, get a trusted friend. Go, go find a counselor. Get a, somebody that knows you deeply who will tell you the truth so you can work through this, so you can identify what, what is the faulty thinking that I'm wrestling with right now. But once that faulty thinking is identified, it's sometimes even harder to come to grips with the fact that we've been believing it. It's humbling to admit, man, I've been believing a lie. This is why I'm such a big proponent of counseling. Counseling gives you time and space and help that's needed to identify the lies that often get ingrained into our minds at a young age. The more I talk to people, the more I'm amazed to find out at how young these lies get embedded into our brains and they affect us all throughout the course of our life. The faulty thinking becomes so ingrained into our minds, it's like this, it's literally a neural pathway in our minds that's become a superhighway of faulty thinking and of lies, and there's all these off-ramps into all this behavior that we know we don't like, and we, we don't want it, and we feel like, uh, like what Hunter talked about last week, the good I want to do, I can't do it, because this faulty thinking has become a superhighway in our mind. And so one of the ways we can identify faulty thinking is by reverse engineering our behavior. Another way we can identify faulty thinking uh, is by using Philippians 4.8 as a filter. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, 
whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And so with Philippians 4, 8, acting as our filter, we know if it's not true, if it's not honorable, if it's not just, pure, lovely, commendable, if it's not morally excellent or praiseworthy, it does not belong in our brains. So take that thought captive and demolish it. Identify faulty thinking. But we don't want to just identify faulty thinking for the sake of identifying faulty thinking. Our second thought this morning is we want to replace that faulty thinking with biblically healthy thinking. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Philippians 4 8 isn't just a filter to filter out negative thoughts. It actually tells us what we should be thinking on proactively. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, morally excellent, those are what we need to renew our minds with. That is what we should intentionally be allowing into our minds. One of the reasons identifying faulty thinking is important because it helps you know the truth that you need to begin speaking to yourself. It's almost like once you know the lie, you can flip the script and find out what's true. Again, a personal example I think would be helpful. I said my faulty thinking was because I don't have a good dad, I'm not equipped to be a good dad. But is that true? Is that honorable? Is that pure? Is that what God, is that what God says is the most true thing about me? So what I need to do is I need to take that faulty thinking and then replace it with biblically thinking. What's the flip side of that? What is the truth of God's word? What is the biblically healthy thinking I need to renew my mind with? Well, I may not have had a good dad, but Romans 8.15 tells me that God is my father. I may not feel equipped, but 2 Peter 1.3 says, I've been, getting, I've been given everything I need for life and godliness. So for me, the biblically healthy thinking has become, I have a perfect heavenly father who has given me everything I need to raise my kids. That is the truth that I need to actively renew my mind with. And so once we have identified the faulty thinking, what we want to do is replace that with biblically healthy thinking. So instead of letting that lie literally shape my mind that affects my behavior, I'm going to God's word, and I'm saying, God, what do you say is true? And I allow that to shape my mind and to affect my behavior. And as we do this, our hearts begin to change because we're not simply talking about the power of positive thinking. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not for negative thinking, <laughs> um, but we're not talking simply about, well, just tell yourself 10 happy thoughts every morning. No, God's word is what literally transforms our hearts. God's word is what changes our mind. This isn't simply the power of positive thinking, it's the power of biblical thinking. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit that grows us in maturity. And so if we're not spending time in the Word, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to change us. See, change in life happens as we by faith control and shape our minds with the Word of God. This is why I regularly talk about we got to manage what we consume because what we consume changes us and it shapes us and it determines how we live. And this is especially true first thing in the morning. In the, more, in the introduction, I talked about how neurons are what store information in our brains. But get this, as you study the brain, you'll realize that, or you'll learn that every morning when you wake up, you have new neurons that have been formed while you're sleeping. This is why, this is a side note, this is why getting a good night's sleep is so important. Because your brain literally grows and heals itself. If you don't get good sleep, your brain ain't working the way it's supposed to. But every morning when you wake up, you have new, new, new neurons that have been formed while you're sleeping. They're like blank slates at your disposal. It's almost like God wired our brain to be renewed in his truth every morning. First thing when you wake up, your brain's like, okay, I've got free space. What are we going to put in it? And so let me encourage you. 
Replace that faulty thinking with biblically healthy thinking. From the moment your feet hit the floor, begin filling your mind with the truth of God's word. So we need to, number one, identify faulty thinking. Number two, replace faulty thinking with biblically healthy thinking. And number three, daily renew our minds in biblical truth. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 is going to help us here. It says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. You know, the one that's created in God's likeness in righteousness and impurity of the truth. So two actions in these verses that we need to take. First of all, regularly rehearse the truth. Once you know the truth that you need to believe that speaks to your specific area of growth, put it on repeat until it becomes ingrained in your mind. In a physical sense, we want those neural pathways in our mind to be strong. In a spiritual sense, we want to meditate on the truth of God's word so that our hearts are changed, so that our spirits are drawn closer to him. Because change in life happens as we shape our minds with the truth of God's word. Regularly rehearse the truth. And there's a lot of ways we can do this. If you read books on thinking, nearly every book on thinking will give you some sort of daily affirmation that you need to tell yourself. Now, I'm not going to go a zigzagler on you this morning. Um, but let me encourage you, go home, find the truth that you need to believe, and put it on repeat in your life. Once you have that written down, tell it to yourself over and over. Tell it to yourself first thing in the morning. Tell it to yourself when you go to bed at night. Put it on your phone. Tape it to your mirror. Write it out multiple times. If you need to, like tattoo it on your forehead. I don't care what you do. Maybe not your forehead. But get it ingrained into your mind. Be like, this is what is true. Not because it's what I feel like. Not because what other people say. But because it's what God has said ingrain that truth into your mind until it becomes a second nature is breathing. First, we need to renew our minds by regularly rehearsing the truth of God's word. But second, Paul tells us here in Ephesians that we need to put on the new self. And so yes, regularly rehearse the truth, but then by faith act on the truth. You see, repeating a truth to yourself over and over and over again will create strong neural pathways in your mind, but it's equally important to act on that truth. That's why Paul says, put on the new man. Don't just sit there and repeat this to yourself over and over again. Get up and by faith, act on that truth. And what this does is, is it gives us evidence to combat the false thinking that we have in our life. So again, the, the, the faulty thinking for me, because I don't, didn't have a good dad, I'm not equipped to be a good dad. That's a lie. But it's, it may be based on actual circumstances, but it's not what God ultimately says is true. But as I, by faith, act on the truth that I have a perfect heavenly father who has given me everything I need to raise my kids, as I, by faith, act on that truth, and as I, by faith, engage my children, when I am gracious with them instead of getting frustrated, when I am patient instead of snapping, when I actually, you know, put the phone down and engage with them instead of just, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, as I actually engage my children, you know what happens? I now have evidence to combat that lie because our brains are kind of jerks sometimes, aren't they? Like, okay, I got my new truth. That doesn't mean that lie is going away, <laughs> There are moments of weakness where that lie sneaks back into my brain, but as I, by faith, act out on that truth, I have evidence to tell that lie, you're not true. Look at the way I'm engaging my children. Look at the way I'm being patient. Look at the way I'm correcting them in love. It's not a list of things to brag about or be proud about. What it is is it's trophies of God's grace that reinforce what God says is true. By faith, act on that truth. If we're going to actually change, we have to put on the new self. We have to live like the person God has saved us to be. 
Christ made us new when we got saved. But so oftentimes we believe lies and we don't get to experience that change. I mean, you could write out a really well thought out truth that rolls off the tongue and the words play nicely together and even have it memorized. But if there's not faith-filled action, all you've got is a fortune cookie. Like, that, 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 that'll look great on a picture in your, in your house, but that's why by faith action, putting on the new man on a regular basis is so vital. But as we day in and day out, renew our minds in the truth of God's word, and then by faith, put on the new man, we will see transformation. I read a study this past week in conclusion that reinforced the importance of renewing our mind in the truth of God's word. Uh, in the study, they pulled 40,000 people, 40,000 Christians, ages 8 to 80. So we got the whole gamut of age here. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to see how people were engaging with Scripture. And as they compiled the results, they said they actually came across a profound discovery that they weren't initially looking for. Uh, the study indicated that when people engage in Scripture just one time a week, there was a negligible effect in some key areas of our life. Like the change in their life from engaging with the Bible once a week was basically nothing, little to no effect. Then they looked at people that engaged with at least two times a week, and the results were the same. They didn't gradually go up a little bit. There was basically little to no effect. Three times a week, they said in the study, they saw a small indication of life, like a blip of a pulse, a faint heartbeat. Something moved in the behavior of the person engaging Scripture. But they said the eye-opener happened when Bible engagement reached at least four times a week. Now, there's nothing magical about the number four, right? But what this study showed was if we're going to actually renew our minds in God's word, there has to be consistent time in God's word. This is why I said we need to daily renew our minds because there's so much stuff coming into our brains. If you only open up God's word one day a week, you're just, your mind's not going to be renewed. This study showed that if people engaged at least four days a week, the results spiked in the way people live differently. And people that read their Bible at least four days a week, they said feelings of loneliness dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Feeling like you're spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. Discipling others jumps 230%. Imagine that. When you spend time in God's word, your life is changed. So let me ask you, what in your life do you want to see change, church? And I'm not saying like, okay, I'm going to do a complete overhaul. <laughs> Don't bite off too much, okay? But what's the one area of your life, and you know what it is, because it's been a battle. Maybe as we've gone through this series, when we touched on insecurity, you're like, oh, that's it for me. Or when we talked about battling discouragement and, dis and depression, you're like, yeah, that, that's my battle. Or like Hunter talked about last week when he talked about battling sin, there's the sin in your life and you just feel like you can't get over it. You can't get past it. You can't get victory over it. Maybe you're living in fear. Maybe you're just apathetic. Maybe you struggle to be grateful. I, I, I don't know what your battle is, but what is that battle in your life that you're like, man, I want to see victory. I want to see change. What's the faulty thinking that's hindering that change? Identify the lie and then demolish it 
take it captive into obedience in Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, like elbow drop on it, right? What truth do you need to believe then to drive that change? What's the truth that you need on repeat in your mind over and over and over again? And then lastly, what is your plan to actively renew your mind so you can experience that change? So here's a takeaway. Change your thinking, change your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your thinking, change your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for giving us your word. And Lord, I know I have to confess, sometimes it's so accessible, it's so easy to get, it's, it's so integral to what it means to be a Christian that sometimes we just take it for granted. And so, Father, I confess in my own heart the times that I've taken for granted that I have a copy of your word. And Lord, I pray that if there are people in our church who have been there, Lord, I pray that they would identify that and confess that. And then, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just produce in us a hunger for your word so that our lives can be transformed. We ask this in your name. Amen.